Welcome back, you ghouls and goblins. This is Square Horror, and I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. And I'm having a great time tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Matt. Uh, man, what's, what number episode is this? Three? This is our third This is our third episode. main episode. Um, oh, man. Spooky season's almost here, dude. It's, I mean, in our hearts, we've started Spooky well, season. Well, we started, but, like... It's it, you can smell it in the air. You can feel, you can feel it. it. You can it's, feel it's sweater weather. It's sweater weather now. <laughs> um, so that means that we can actually start covering like Halloween movies. Yeah. Uh, so what we cover this week, man? Uh, today we're going to be covering our first two anthology movies with Trick or Treat and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yes, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, more of a. Book-wise anthology series, movie-wise yes. singular, uh, Trick or Treat is more of the anthology, but we'll, we'll get into that, what what that really means. Um, I think that this is also a good occasion, because it's the first time that we have live guests in the yes. studio. We have us. a live studio audience yeah, with us. Which will be fun to see how it, how it goes on, um, and how they handle themselves. <laughs> Um, so, first on the, uh, old agenda. The, old, the good old agenda. We got Trick or Treat, which, um, if anyone that's super into Halloween hasn't seen, they must. It is a need to see. It is a holiday staple Dude, for me. this movie, so, okay, so, 2007, uh, directed by Michael Doherty, uh, it's a horror anthology film that covers... What not to do on Halloween. Yeah. Like, how to not be an asshole. Like, don't be an <laughs> asshole on Halloween. Or else Sam one. will be upset. Or anything. You could be killed by werewolves. Or, uh, children? I don't remember what their deal was. They yeah. were just sick. They were, what was, the, I don't know. Um, so, Trick or Treat is a series of vignettes that surround a small town's Halloween celebrations. Um, and the through line... The major, the main through line being a uh, a small boy named Sam, <laughs> who I lovingly describe as the burlap sack hooded and orange footy pajama wearing trick or treater who is a stickler for Halloween yes. traditions. He punishes those who break Halloween traditions, <laughs> which in this universe just means if you're an asshole, you're gonna you die. <laughs> um. I think it should be noted, the actor who plays Sam is our age now, yes. uh, and is hot now, according, to, good, some according our, to some of our friends. some of our friends, he looks, he's good looking now, so look him up. Um, so yeah, this, it, so the whole thing kind of takes place in this town. The, and it all takes place on Halloween on night. On Halloween night, they don't say the name of the town, I don't remember. They don't. Um, but it sounds, so they... <laughs> There's a news broadcast that says that, you know, this town takes Halloween seriously. It's like, what does that As really mean? As all towns should. Like, first of all, you should. Um, it's also great that, like, this town is recognized for its Halloween spirit to the point that its residents that stand out are killed for their lack of belief. That's true. Like, it's like what probably would have happened to the Grinch had he not, like, been super okay with Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um... And I think that actually brings a really good point. I would compare this movie to, like, the other holiday films of, like, Love Actually, New Year's <laughs> Day, and <laughs> Valentine's Day, because they're all about multiple stories that are happening on the same night that all That's kind true. of correlate by the That's end. actually a perfect example. I just thought about how much better Love Actually or, like, <laughs> Valentine's Day would be if the ending of all the stories were just everyone was murdered. <laughs> 
Or there was like a creepy little like elf child on Christmas walking around like, like you, you in the yeah, spirit killing kids with candy canes. Oh my God. Um, so you got four sort of and like sort of four sort of like stories going. There's on. four main stories while others kind of like come trickle off. So you've got one of the ones that I think is so much fun. Uh, so I think it should be stated, I, I wrote it down somewhere and totally forgot, but the, uh, the gentleman that plays the principal, yes, um, uh, I do have his Dylan name. Baker. Dylan Baker. So Dylan Baker, what I, and most of our listeners probably know, he was Dr. Connors in yes. the Spider-Man movie, like the original, the original Sam yeah, Raimi trilogy of You know, Spider-Man he was movies. like Peter's professor who's just kind of like, Hey Peter, you're late to class again. You doing okay there? You doing there, okay, Pete? Peter? Like very kind of like background. In this movie, he's a murderous principal. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, it's it's fun because the, the we're introduced to his story, kind of in like the general like, oh you know kids that just kind of break shit on Halloween like they're, they're smashing pumpkins and he's like you know you shouldn't do that and then he straight up poisons that kid. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's 13 and destructive. Don't and this kill him. was like, hey, you're going to learn your lesson today, kiddo. Don't, yeah, now you're dead. Um, but it was fun because it kind of takes that whole, like, answering the door on Halloween with blood on your shirt trope. With, like, you know, he's, like, covering up this murder. And then, like, and the kids are just like, hey, cool costume. He's like, oh, my God, I, my cover's blown. They're like, good costume, principal. And he's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you want? We want you want uh, another butter? Like, there he's just like immediately jumps into like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I plan this. Uh, blood, yeah, blood. Yeah, sure. Um, he also, it, it, it truly means nothing, but it must be said. If you're one of the few people that know Murderfist like I do, super big Holden McNeely vibes. <laughs> like he's got this like. <laughs> he's got these like glasses like he looks like a big old nerd and I just like half expect to be like you guys want to come a jack lantern you bitch like just like super annoying um but it's a cool like kind of disarming sort of like good vibe for like what it's gonna be like the movie as a whole like all stories like they have scary elements in them but I would say it's a lot more fun oh, and like yeah. there's a lot of comedic elements throughout I mean it's Definitely a movie that seemed like it was made by people that were just like, man, Halloween's great. Let's make a movie about it. And I really hope that Michael Doherty gets to do his sequel that he wants to do after he finishes up with the Godzilla franchise. So Michael Doherty is, um, he and uh, Brian Singer, who did the X-Men movies, the original X-Men movies, often worked together um, in their production company. And Michael Doherty did the uh, the Godzilla movies. Yeah, he did the most recent <laughs> Godzilla King of the Monsters, and he is doing next year's Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah, it's like this guy, and it's fun because you said like he was like, man, as soon as I just like do this stupid movie, then I can make Trick or Treat 2. And like, I feel that, man. I absolutely <laughs> feel that. Um, so the, ca- the cast of the movie is kind of surprising. In that, um, there's, depending on kind of what you're into and, like, what kind of shows or movies you watch, you'll kind of pick out different characters. Like, for instance, like, um, I was like, oh, that's Dr. Connors from Spider-Man. Um, Brian Cox is also in the movie. Brian Cox, um, I know him best. He was in Troy. He was Agamemnon in Troy. He was, 
um, in the Planet of the Apes movies, the new Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Movie. I think right. it's only in the first one. Um, he shows up all over the place. So you check him out on IMDb if, if you might end up knowing him. Um, he's like the Ebenezer Scrooge of Halloween in this movie, <laughs> which like I'll get into a little bit later. But like I don't understand like everyone in this movie, every other person is just so put upon by the fact that Halloween is a thing. Like, Halloween does nothing but bring joy to people. Halloween's great. It's not like Christmas where, like, a lot of, like, legitimate stress comes with it. Like, if you don't celebrate Christmas, you know, there's this kind of stress of, like, the world is celebrating Christmas around you. If you do celebrate Christmas, you have all these stresses of, like, I gotta get this for this person, I gotta go to these parties, I gotta go for home for this. Halloween, you can celebrate at any rate, you can be like us and watch horror out. movies and, like, decorate and, like, go to haunted houses. Or you can just, like, go apple picking, go to the pumpkin patch. Have some apples, yeah, cider, pumpkin. That's cool. And donuts. you know what? No one judges anybody for celebrating fall because all it is is just being, like, chill and being happy. It's yeah. not till like, a month later that we're like... That's why I get so pissed off when people start celebrating Christmas, like, super early. I'm like, why do you want to be stressed for that long? Like... Halloween's cool because it's just chill. It's it's a really chill holiday that you can really celebrate however you want. So it upsets me when people are literally like bah humbugging Halloween. I'm like, why? Because children are joyful to get candy. Yeah, maybe <laughs> kids kind of suck, but you know, just turn off your like lights and like go to a bar or go to a party. Go somewhere not your house and don't open the door if you're having a swinger party like they do in this movie. I think it was just because she was super drunk. I mean, like, yeah, but. Let's just don't, please. And, and this, and this like, bah humbuggery isn't even just, like, old crotchety Brian Cox. It's, like, young, hot, blonde chick at the beginning of the movie who yeah. hates Halloween so much, she's like, I'm going to take out down all our decorations today. Tonight. I'm like, Jesus, okay. And then even, like, the kid, like, the girl that dresses as the angel, who's just such a horrible, horrible little monster. Jesus. She's like Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka (laughs) of just like how, like, they're telling, they're in the middle of telling like a badass, like we're kind of disjointed and we're going all over the movie, but like she's telling this like badass urban legend and it's just yelling at people, like being snippy about people getting like the details wrong. It's like, dude, get off her back. I'm telling the story. relax. What was her name again? Like, who cares? I don't know. That's something mean. (laughs) Um, Also, so also to cover what else is in the movie, uh, Anna Paquin. Who's, who's Rogue. Who's Rogue in the X-Men, X-Men movies, movies, which probably where Brian Singer got her from. Yes. Is like, yo, uh, there's also a year before she was in True Blood, which I know. That's right. Um, if you don't know True Blood, it's a big vampire wolf, werewolf show um, that's awesome. And, uh, and it was Beckham's, shortly before she was in Scream 4 as well. Well, yeah, because Scream 4, I think, was in like, you said 2012. 2011, 2012. I think True Blood was maybe ending or just about ending. But that like, sounds about right. Anna Paquin in this is just like such a loser. Like all of her like hot friends are like, go get a date. She's like, like, I don't know. like it's like Marcy or something. Like, yeah. They're like, why don't like they're all like literally like deliberately dressed as like slutty fairy tale characters. And they're like, go get a guy, Marcy or whatever. And she's like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't know. think so. It's it's fun. And I don't want to reveal the, the spoiler, but their story ends up Pretty nice. Very fun. Very nice. Um, and it also involves, uh, what's his putz? The, the uh, principal. Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker. Um, I guess I can't even talk about that because that's definitely a spoiler. Yeah. 
Um, well, and this is also, I think, a really nice thing that makes this really accessible to people, is it's a really short movie. This movie's less than an hour and a half long. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's an hour and 22 yeah. minutes. Like, we threw it on the other night, and it was over before we knew it. And yeah. it's great, because it never once really feels like it's dragging. It just keeps moving. And, because everything about it is entertaining. Yes. And it's, it's not, like, horror entertaining where you're feeling very, very afraid. It's, like, it's bringing you into, like, that kind of, um... I would say, like, it reminded me of movies like Monster House. Like, just movies that oh, were, like, Halloween movies. Cut. But, like, movies that took place on Halloween that, like, were kind of kids' movies, but, like, also, like, were kind of low-key dark. Yeah. So, like, it's that kind of vibe where it so seems... it's a girl house. <laughs> Man, I want to do a bonus episode about Monster House. I haven't watched that movie since I was a kid. I, I can't tell you the last time I saw that movie. Truly, I can't. It's going to be a fun time. Um, I think Aubrey Plaza's in that movie. Well, okay. she, really? I think she's in the babysitter in that movie. Oh, my God. Um, so, I don't have a whole lot about Trick or Treat, aside, for left, aside from just talking about Sam. <laughs> Such a cute little so, guy. So, I mean, if you... So, if even if you haven't seen Trick or Treat, you might know Sam if you saw him. He's this, like... Little kid kind of character who's wearing, like, a big burlap sack head, like, mask. Like, a big bubble kind of thing. He's wearing, like, orange, like, Halloween footy pajamas. And he's got, like, a like a big little lollipop. Like, a pumpkin lollipop. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's bitten into. Yeah, he's, like, bitten into. Like, it's kind of sharp. Um, so, like, even if people haven't seen Trick or Treats, they probably know that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because he's really started showing up a lot more recently in pop culture. Well, and, and I think it speaks to, like, because the movie's, like, an underground cult hit. Like, you probably took some notes on, like, well, yeah, what this movie, movie never This movie never properly released in theaters. It made uh, a film festival and convention circuit starting in 2007. Yeah. And then the producing company decided to release it straight to DVD in 2009, mm. two years later. Do you, do you happen to know the distribution company? Like, was it Warner Brothers or was it Universal um, or something? I don't actually know off the top of my it's head. It's just because, it, kind of a, a throw ahead to next week episode, um, this was one of those movies that, like House of a Thousand Corpses, wasn't really given a lot of, like, studio faith. Yeah. And then when it, like, high-key became, like, a cult success, Universal was like, hey, can we make, like, a Halloween Horror Nights, like, area just about your movie? And the directors were like, well, where were you when you were trying to get it, like, distributed? Like, where yeah. were you with the money? Yeah, was it, it was distributed by uh, Warner Brothers yeah, Pictures. Yeah, it's the same thing with... Produced yeah. by Legendary uh, Pictures. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... But yeah, and it did receive <laughs> the Universal Ho- Halloween Horror Nights yeah, treatment. Yeah, they gave it a big old like... Not even a pawn house, like a section. It got a section cool. in 2017 and then a haunted house yes. in 2018. So it went the whole gambit. Yeah. I mean... I think it because it, it, it's just so Halloweeny. Like it's not even like a like I wouldn't even really classify it as like a horror movie. It's a Halloween. It's a movie. Halloween movie. Like with horror. Elements. With like yeah, like scary stuff kind of happens, but like it's nothing that like would have scared someone as like a kid getting told like a Halloween story. Yeah, like it's got the same amount of horror. I think that the only difference is the blood. Yes. Like, there's some more blood in it than there probably would be in a movie like Monster House, mm-hmm. but it's the same level of scare. Like, the same, like, level of horror is there. It's just with the corresponding blood. And it's not even, like, a crazy overt amount of blood. It's just, like, an, a, a realistic, normal amount of blood. Yeah. Um, like, 
to the point where well, it's even not the even blood in the movie is fairly tame con- compared. Yeah, to it's not like it's movies. like a gore fest. Like no. there's blood in it, but like it's not crazy. Well, and I think of some. I think of one of the kills early in the movie yeah. is done all completely under a sheet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting because you have. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with the budget. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it was just a happy accident because of the budget that they decided that, you know, hey, we don't have a lot of a budget, why don't we make something that's going to be, like, an, a general... Because it's rated R, is it not? Yes. It well, is. I mean, I can think of why, but it's yes. definitely not for gore. No. Like, not in the slightest. Um... It's more for... There's boobs in it for a few seconds. <laughs> um, which, I mean, you can kind of see coming from a bit. So, yeah. like, if you... You have to watch it with kids, like, you know when to turn. Away. Yes. Um, I think what's what one of my last things I'll say about this movie is just um, the cult kind of following that this is gained to the point that because it's so synonymous with Halloween, that last year, um, the week before Halloween, I went to go see Motionless and White, which is one of my favorite Halloweeny bands, and it was the Trick or Treat tour that yes. they were on. Um, like the font was all in the trick or treat font, and during the show, um, they had a guy dressed as Sam come out and throw out candy, which was kind of which awesome. Which is so fun. And like, it's the kind of thing that like it matches the vibe of the band, the show, and like the crowd. Even if they don't know the movie, knows this character is kind of synonymous with with Halloween. Yes. So like, it's becoming like, while like everyone is trying to become like the new slasher, like. Sam just kind of like happened upon Sam like just walked in he, like, and said hi. Like, like, I, like you go into a spirit store, you'll see like a Sam statue oh, or like yeah. a costume. Like it's he's almost as synonymous with Halloween as like Michael Myers. Yeah, well, Michael Myers or Pennywise. Or yeah, oh no, Pennywise now them. especially. Um, but yeah, it's like when this didn't have like the wide release and super like hype that like it did. Like, yeah. this was just, like, a movie that people were like, yo, you seen Trick or Treat? Like, no. And it's like, there's a lot of, and I think we can talk about more of them as we go on. Um, there's a lot of Halloween horror anthology movies out there. Like, Tales from Halloween is really good. Adam Green did some of the stuff mm-hmm. on that. I think Darren Lynn Bowsman did some yeah. about it. Like, a lot of people put stuff together for it. You got, like, Tales yeah, from the Crypt. You got, yeah, like, the Twilight Zone. Creep Show. Creep Show. Um... And, like, Trick or Treat is definitely not the first. It's no. definitely not the last. Yes. It's just, like, I feel like the most accessible. I would, I would really Which agree Which is why I that. think that it's so good. I would totally recommend it because it's, it's a great movie to get you in the spirits or to get you, like, you want to watch a horror movie, but, like, you really don't want to be scared. Yeah. Because, uh, so, honestly, <laughs> it's just a good time. It really is a fun movie. Like, yeah. it makes you feel good. And it makes you feel excited for Halloween. Like, it's... September currently, we watched it the other night, and it was like, Boy, yeah, just, I'm ready, I'm excited. Like, it's time, we gotta and it get makes into me, it. It makes me feel like the same kind of Halloween wonder I had when I was like 10. Yeah. Like, it makes you, like, that's why I mentioned Monster, like, it mm-hmm. makes you feel that kind of, like, Halloween vibe you did when you were a kid. I say, it makes you think, like, ooh, what am I gonna get dressed up for as ho- exactly. for Halloween like, this year? Now, when I think of, like, Halloween now, I think of, like, movies like Hellfest, where it's mm-hmm. like, Halloween is going on. While you are an adult, yeah, and you're just like doing whatever you can, like when you can. Trick or Trick feels like when you were a kid, Halloween was Christmas. Yeah. Like everything led up to Halloween. It wasn't just like, 
oh yeah, Halloween's on Wednesday or something like that. Like, it just happens. Like, mm-hmm. no, this was back when it was still secret, man. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Also, last note, Sam has a weird face under the burlap sack, and I won't say what it is. Don't look it up, but, like, watch the movie. Yeah, don't let it get it's spoiled. It's weird looking. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, speaking of movies that I think are accessible and fun. Fun. Uh, so, if you are at least the age of 20, I mean, definitely kids that are younger definitely have read them, but, like, almost everyone that I know that is our age now, when they were kids, read these books. And I actually them. never did. You never? Did you I know never, about them? I had heard of them, but I had never read the books before. Okay, well, I think it was almost like they were like a taboo. Like, some weird, creepy kid had them, or like, surprisingly, in my class, like, some of the popular kids were kind of like, yo, these are good stories. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, it's kind of cool. Like, you know. Um, so, of course, we're talking about the. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. The 2019 uh, Andre Ovredal uh, directed movie. Uh, produced by Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Um, oh, God. Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, The Shape of Shape Water. Water. Um, the name in modern creature feature horror. Oh, yeah. I mean... Because he, he doesn't pull any punches. He creates Everything creatures. is painstakingly made. It's all very artistic. It's very... I, I mentioned it earlier. It was like if Jim Henson went, like, super goth. Yeah. Like, it very, there's a lot of puppet stuff involved. Like, it's very... It's not human looking. No. It's very sci-fi. Well, he's really sort of, good about making yeah. practical effects. And it, I think it's because it looks like how it would if it was real. Yeah. Like it looks like a living thing. That's well, just like, weird looking. The Scarecrow Herald, which is used in all of the advertising yeah. for this yeah, movie, yeah. he looks as realistic as they could possibly. I was make gonna it. say I want to get considering into he's that. missing the stomach yeah. portion. So so. Uh, to back up, Andre Overdahl uh, directed this movie. He also directed Troll Hunter, which had a lot of creature stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Autopsy of Jane Doe, which features oh, Brian Cox from. Yeah. You saw that movie, right? I haven't actually. Oh, it's surprisingly very good. Okay. I, it used to. I don't know. It's, I think it still is on Netflix. I think it was a Netflix I think it original. Is still. Very good. Very very good movie. Um, and he's also signed on to direct Serious Stories to Tell in the Dark 2. Good. Um, even and, more scary stories. Yeah, even, yeah, more scary stories to Tell in the Dark. <laughs> um, so, quick aside. This movie was written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, who I've become huge fans of, and not even really become. I've already been huge fans of them, but oh, just yeah. more so. So, our good friend Chad, who used to be a grad student with, at, uh, at Western with us, um, knows Marcus Dunstan. I don't. They were childhood I think friends, they. I think they grew up together. I don't know. I've only heard like third or fourth okay. hand I'd love to talk to Chad about this. Yes. Because I really want to know more about this to the point that like, fingers crossed, if we could ever talk to him, it'd be, it really would cool. Rule. Well, because he wrote. So Marcus Dunstan, um, and some of this project he has worked with Patrick Melton. Um, they usually work together, but I know for sure that Marcus Dunstan has worked on the Collector franchise, like the yes. Collector, the Collection. And the collected, which is going to come out, I believe they they start working on. It. Be, yeah, they're working on it right um, now. My first favorites. He's written Saw four through the final chapter. That's it's like right. he's written my favorite Saw movies, um, and he also created the Feast franchise, which I picked up the first oh. Feast movie, and it's very. Uh, it's a ride. We'll watch it someday because okay. it's 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 a special breed. It's something else. <laughs> it's like it's a comedy. 
that's like it's a very like gore house like comedy like it's very it's like a dark comedy it's hilarious um and they also are i think they're also signed on to write the next movie as well i would hope so um it's not on their credit yet but i don't think that they've even started making the movie's not really just confirmed um so yes the the movie is based on the short story collections by elvin schwartz and the art is by Stephen Gamel, and, and man, did if they it, do the, God, that art if, justice. Even if you haven't read these books, if you've just seen a picture, if you can't Google the art from the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark books, it's weird. It's, it's very it's, striking. It's creepy. Well, and truly, I believe that why a lot of these books stuck with people so much is because the illustrations are freaking terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like, every single one of them is very, like bleak looking it's very disturbing they're mm-hmm. all very creepy um and that's why i when i when i first of all when i heard they were making it into a movie i was like hell yeah like let's do it let's, let's there's like literally it. hundreds that they can pick from mm-hmm. and when they said that guillermo del toro was involved i'm like okay so the guy that made the fawn from pan's labyrinth that's gonna make all these weird <sighs> crazy art things and that was i think why they brought him in because he oh, has yeah. i actually heard a couple stories like the actual art that Stephen Gamel wrote, like he, that he drew and painted for the books, is actually like, you know, like he did like art exhibitions, like mm-hmm. they are like actual pieces of art, and Guillermo del Toro has several of them, to the point that he has bought several of them from Tim Burton's nose, like under his oh. nose, like Tim Burton like mm-hmm. loves. I mean, obviously, yeah. Like Guillermo del Toro was like, no, man, I'm not screwing mm-hmm. around. Like I, I want I got this. these, so. He was like me if I'm ever a producer. We're like the second that he got a whiff of a thing that he loved, he's like, "Let me do he's it." He's like, "I'm it." I want to be even if I'm not directing it. Like, I just want to help. Like, yeah. let me do it. He co-wrote the scripts with mm-hmm. with um, Marcus Dunson and Patrick Felton, uh, and so I mean that's just the background. It's like yeah. this is before the movie even was made. Like this is like the team we're going into this with. Um, Cast-wise, it's almost entirely, like, young adult teen child actors. Yes. Who all just rule. They all they kick really the well. hell out of this script. And I believe that it's it's half them being awesome, and it's half they wrote these kids not like kids. They wrote yeah. them like people, which is how you need to write... Which Take is a notes, nice Plumhouse. This is how you write <laughs> kids in high school. They're not just generic, like, teenagers. They're a lot of the times... They're just people that yeah. are happen to be younger. I mean, so this movie takes place in the sixties, like the in late sixty-eight, um, in like uh, the middle of like Pennsylvania, like rural Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It has to do with like the Vietnam War, like yeah. moderate racism, um, yeah. like absentee mothers, like a lot of like adult things that are like thrust on these kids that they deal with with crazy amounts of maturity, mm-hmm. with an insane amount of like writing foresight they didn't just go like my mom left like it's it's nuanced yeah it's like, like throughout it's realistically the inter- integrated into the play, yeah into the movie and i mean so you got um zoe margetti who's the main uh character uh we just watched the video stella right? stella sorry um <laughs> i looked at her credits a lot of these guys don't have a lot of credits but where they do they're pretty notable she was mm-hmm. in the the um annie remake with uh, Jamie Foxx. Oh, man. Um, and uh, I 
Cameron Diaz, I believe. Yep. So she must have been kind of younger, because she's, I believe, like, yeah, that was like, two, like a two... Five years Yeah, prior. like, she was, like, two or three years younger than us. Um, uh, this movie is really recent. It just came out yeah, last summer. Yeah, this movie summer. came out last, last August. August. Uh, Michael Garza, who was in uh, Mockingjay, and was also in The Wayward Pines... Uh, which is a I haven't watched but I've been meaning to but it's very I've heard a lot of like very like Twin Peaks kind of Lovecraft Country vibes from this show Uh, Gabriel Rush who was in both Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest Hotel so Wes Anderson like used this kid so good for him um, Austin Abrams, who's in This Is Us recently, such a good show Um, Dean Norris, who's um, uh, Stella's dad who, I can't remember his Henry name. Henry in Breaking Bad? Yeah, he was in Breaking Bad. He's the cop from the first season of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Well, um, then he was brought back from Better Call Saul. Yes, he was sure. in Better Call Saul, too. And then you got uh, Javier Botet, who, if you've seen any horror movie in the last ten years that has a, like, um, skinny, like, creepy-looking monster, Javier Botet played it. Yeah. So, like, he was in It... With, as several of the monsters. Mm-hmm. He was in Slender Man as the Slender Man. Um, he's been in Game of Thrones. Um, he was Mama in Mama. He was yeah. Keyface in Insidious 4. I still haven't watched that <laughs> he one. He was the creepy demon thing at the end of Wreck. Um, oh, and he yeah. was the the Crooked Man in The Conjuring 2. Mm-hmm. So like every tall, most tall skinny things you see in horror, Javier Botet played. Yeah. Like, that is his shtick. Like, he's got, he's one of those guys that got, like, Marfan syndrome, so he's got mm-hmm. that, like, tall man, like, genetic kind of thing, where he's got, like, long arms, really, really skinny guy, um, and he's been in a bunch of, uh, Pan, uh not Panzer, but he was in a bunch of, um, him and Doug Bradley are very similar. Yeah. They're in a lot of, uh, Guillermo del Toro stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then contortionist Troy James, who was on America's Got Talent. Yeah. Uh, he's the jangly man. Well, and he <laughs> did a lot of that stuff. Yeah, because practically. Seen, yeah, because they were like, we want a guy that can do this in real life. So, like, they literally just put makeup on him, did a lot of CGI after effects to make him look better, and then they just tracked his movements. Yeah. Um, so, to get into the movie, uh, small town Mill Valley, Pennsylvania, in October 1968. Uh, Sarah and her friends discover the tome of Sarah Bellows. Stella and her friends. Stella. Sorry. <laughs> a woman who died under mysterious circumstances and wrote down scary stories that come to life. So, for the purpose of this movie, like, the books are not, like, canonical. They're not, like, yeah. if the books existed in this world and then, like, happened. The books are kind of, like, if there was maybe, I think it was something, like, there's gotta be, like, over 150 stories among those three books. That sounds about right. Like, they kind of, as an amalgam, kind of come out in this book. Kind of like Goosebumps, like the, the Jack Black yeah. Goosebumps movies, where they kind of just picked, like, five of them, and we're like, okay, we're going to do them this is for what these we're movies. Focus on. And I'm glad they're doing more, because there's so many more. There's so that, much to cover. I mean, there's well, like, they even dozens, just, like, hint at the Wendigo. Yeah, like, the wet. I can't remember, like... They have a couple of times that they check in the in the book to go like look for who's next or whatever, and I mean I read all those books dozens of times like I I know these stories so that when they were like oh we're doing the pale woman I'm like oh god <laughs> it's just so we'll get to that in a minute but um, uh, the last thing that I have for background is filming location wise. Um, a good part of the movie is filmed in an asylum. 
they're doing research on what happened to Sarah Bellows. She ended mm-hmm. up in an asylum. Um, and it was filmed at Pennhurst State School and Hospital, which used to be an asylum. That When I started going digging for it, fell down this rabbit hole of, like... So, back in the 80s, a lot of um, mental institutions were closed. Like, their funding was completely cut um, during the Reagan administration, and they let out all pretty much everyone out, just out of the street, which is where the homeless population is coming from. I don't know why I'm saying all of this. The point <laughs> is, a lot of asylums closed mm-hmm. in the 80s, so, like, a lot of them look decrepit, but they're not ancient-looking. So, this one closed in 1987, and I was like, oh, well, it's part of the big shutdown. No, it closed down because it was hella mean to its patients, had a, like, lo- many lawsuits against it because, like, their treatment of the mentally feeble, they treated them all like potential criminals, they just went all out, uh, like, they were a bad place. Like, they were not cool to anybody. Um, and so, like, all of this, I literally, it's all just, like, history of eugenics, segregation, inhumane practices were made public. Oh, man. You know... A lot of the buildings were torn down. Most of it remains open as a haunted house. Like, because it's quote-unquote <laughs> haunted. So they filmed it in Pennsylvania, like, mm-hmm. at this asylum for most of these scenes. And I remember, I think it was on uh, Dead Meat when they were talking about uh, the filming locations that a lot of these kids were like, yeah, um, it's definitely haunted. I don't like being yeah. here. <laughs> um, so that's all I have for background. Uh, in the case of that... Um, but yeah, like I said, a lot of it takes place in the 60s, and we're introduced to, like, I mean, they're playing Season of the Witch at the beginning of the movie, yeah. and, There's like... There's this radio announcer who's always oh, yeah. spooky throughout the, it. To, yeah, like, they really didn't need... And I, he's not... What's creepy? He's not credited in the movie. Because I went looking for him. Like, I Googled him. I was on IMDb. I can't find who this man is. Huh. Why? Why did they do this? Because <laughs> it's very creepy... It's like very like um, it's very ambiance. Oh, it's it's creepy. Um, yeah. So, I just think setting a movie like with the like its backgrounds like against the sixties, so, like the big election of nineteen sixty eight was going on. So like Nixon was about to be elected president. So there's all these people being like, "Well, Nixon's gonna be elected," and the kids are like, "Sarah Bezos is killing kids with books," and they're like, "Nixon." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's fun because, like, one of the first things we see is, like, kind of, like, our kind of villain of the movie is sort of brought out to, like, is introduced. He's, like, come out of, like, the army recruiter office, like, with his draft papers. And he's, like, hell yeah. And I'm, like, you're going to die in Vietnam. It's not going to be a fun time. Um, So it's just, like, it's one of those things that, like, whenever you make a period movie and your characters are, like, supposed to be, like, not knowledgeable of events and, like, Obviously, you live, like, 50 years later. Like, well, I know all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, off slightly off topic, like, I was really into the show The Americans, which is about, like, Soviet sleeper cells trying to spy. Like, the entirety of the first season is them, tr- like, discovering the plan for, quote-unquote, Star Wars, like, Project Star Wars, mm-hmm. which essentially was just a, like, a plan, like, a clandestine plan, to, like, that the CIA expected the Soviets to find out about. It's like, oh man, the Americans have like a space laser? Well, we gotta spend all of our money to counteract that, and we never did. We just were trying to like bankrupt them. Yeah. It's like in the in the in the show, they're like, they have a god, they have a laser. Like, oh dear god, what are we gonna do? And I'm like, it's fake. I know all of it's like not real. 
So I, that's like the downside of period pieces, I guess. But aside from that, like the vibe is very legit. Like the drive-in theaters are there, cars. Yeah, they have, you know, they're showing the drive-in, or they're showing Night of the Night it's of like the Living brand, Dead. It's like it had come out like a year because it came out in, I think '67. That sounds about right. And they're like, yeah, they're showing it, and they're like, oh, I can't believe that you, you know, saw this movie. It's like, oh yeah, I saw it like every night when it was out like a year ago. I'm like, could you imagine? Like <laughs> Night of the Living Dead just came out. That's like the era of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so the monsters. Okay. So of the stories that take place, there are three major, I guess four major um, monsters that kind of show up. Mm -hmm. We've got Harold, which is a uh, story about a scarecrow that comes to life and uh, kills the guy that always abused it Mm because it was a scarecrow. And it's horrifying looking. Yeah. It's very creepy. And I found out the guy that the the stunt performer that played Harold also played the pale woman. Oh man. I mean it doesn't they just loaded a bunch of stuff on him. Yeah. And were like, go be creepy. So you've got a really creepy looking scarecrow that is one to one accurate to the illustrations from the book. Because oh, yeah. Harold is a super famous story from the books. Like you said, it's it was used in all the marketing. Well, and I saw an article when the movie was coming out, of, like showing side by side the movie and the original illustrations, yeah. and they were incredible. They were the same. It was yeah. like the only difference was that it was just three dimensional, so it mm-hmm. looked a little different because it was like just a real thing, yeah, and not a drawing. Um, so then you have the the corpse looking for its missing toe, played by Javier Bautista. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the illustration for that story specifically is just a shot of its face and how detailed it looks. Same thing. Yeah. Like, I I feel like I remember seeing um, the makeup artists like doing last touches on Boatset and Guillermo's with there with the like drawing like making sure it's accurate because mm-hmm. like that's how dedicated like they are all very scary looking but like. It's like, if, if you've ever read a book that was made into a movie or a TV show, and there's always disappointments for, like, how things look, it could not be more okay, This is not one of those cases. No, this is the opposite. Like, it, the story, like, and its character are in the movie, compl- which is why I'm like, I can't wait to see what other stories they do. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they might even try to step up and take ones that are, like, weird. Like, just to see if they can do it. Yeah. <laughs> um... Then there's the pale, which is the scene that actually legitimately frightened it's me. It's spooky. Cause, just because it's it's not moving any quickly. It's not really it's doing. Just a casual it's just walk. lumbering, mm-hmm. and it's got a weird looking face. It's and it's a completely white figure coming at you in a completely red yeah, illuminated room. So this room. is when they were shooting in the asylum. So you've got long, like hallways. Drenched in red emergency light, this kid's running, and he sees it at the end of the hallway, like, very, like, without much detail. Runs down another hallway, and it's there, closer. Every hallway he goes down, he sees it, and it's just getting closer. And it's horrifying. (laughs) It is so scary. Well, especially because, ultimately, he ends up in between four doorways, where it's coming from every direction. Like, just, like... Even when we went to watch, like, I knew it was coming, and I got chills. Like, just seeing it, like, before they even showed it to you, really, 
you can see a white mass walking down the hallway. And I'm like, oh god, it's there. Here we go. And like, it's not moving any fast. Like it doesn't even like have a cr- like a evil look on his face. It's just kind of vaguely smiling. Like yeah. it's just like, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. I'm, I'm gonna kinda, do my thing. It's oh god. And we have the jangly man, which I think they kind of. I don't know if they. In, I think they invented it. I think kind of for the movie, or like they kind of took it from other places. Because I didn't, yeah. I don't remember it. Um, but it kind of like dovetails with the Mitai Doji Walker story. Um, so which is about a head falling down a fireplace and singing to a dog who sings back. Which we don't have a singing dog in this one. There, I was so. I think there's I was, a dog in this. The scene. dog is in the movie, and he's fine. Um, yes, the always, dog, always. The dog's okay. The dog is fine. Um, but. As soon as his head falls down, it's followed by arms, legs, and a torso. And again, it's played by a contortionist who does all of his effects practically. So, he, like, it's walking backwards. It's, like, limbs are inverted. So, like, like a flamingo or, like, its legs are kind of, like, weirdly... like, And it would crawl, like, on its back with its arms and legs as if it was crawling, like, with its stomach to the ground. It's very mm-hmm. difficult to explain... But it just know like it looks very creepy, but a guy did that. Yeah, like a very talented like network talent show like televised like America's Got Talent, like contortionist, got you know picked up for this movie, um, and kills it. I mean, this guy is awesome. I mean, obviously he's not doing everything. He's not getting hit by a car. He's not climbing banisters with his feet. I yeah, mean, if he could. Awesome. It'd be cool. Um, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say probably not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's very good. I mean, and all of these things look so good. They look real. Like, they look like this thing is a corpse. This thing looked like a corpse. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what else you have for this movie, but it was, like, it's just awesome. I mean, I just think about when we first we first saw this yeah. movie together last <laughs> summer, um, back in a movie theater in our hometown, yeah. or near our hometowns. And we just had so much fun with this movie. And granted, we were one of the only people in the theater, so it was okay for us to talk yeah. to each other. Um, and, like, we were just in the back, so it was fine. Uh, but, you know what was cool? So, this movie's rated PG-13. And it's not just because they wanted it to, you know, be accessible to kids and whatnot who grew up reading these books that are still kind of kids that want to go see it, which mm-hmm. I think is great that they also did that. Yeah. But, I mean, they don't... There's no, like, blood in this movie. No. Like, there's no gore. There's not even a lot of cursing. Like, I mean, they're kids, but they... It's this is all the 60s. I so say, it's not like it levels. No, it's kids. not like it where, like, every second word out of their mouth is the F word or whatever. Which is how kids talk yeah. now. But this is, like, 40 years ago. Yeah. So I get it. And it's, it's nice to see that they can make a legitimately good movie. Like, a scary movie... Again, with the same energy of, like, kind of trick-or-treat, where it's... I wouldn't go as so far as to say it's, like, a it's like a adolescent-to-teen family horror movie, mm-hmm. but it's close. Yeah. Because, like, you could watch it, like, with younger siblings. Like, it yes. would scare them, but, like, it's... Just because it looks so good. Like, yeah. it, it, like the, they really went all out making it awesome. Um, but it, I think that's good, because, like, I feel like sometimes people are turned away by... A lot of gore and, you know, obviously, like, 
the way that slashers like have like sexuality and nudity, it's mm-hmm. a little over. None of that happens in this movie. No, I would say zero blood. I'm gonna go ahead and say zero I blood. I think it's pretty safe to say that. Um, Except for when she pricks her finger. That doesn't count. Oh, come on, you know it. what I mean. But yes. Um. No, but it's uh, truly like these movies. Unfortunately, are not on any streaming services. I think for Trick or Treat's sake, it's because it's so underground, mm-hmm. and for Scary Stories, it's just it's, it's just so, so new. It's new. I think it might have been on HBO like a year be, ago. Yeah. It might still be. I'm not sure. Um, if you're around us and are really interested in watching them again. Feel free to borrow Let us from know. us. We just watched them, so like, absolutely, you guys have them. Um, and uh, quick plug: our Instagram, uh, the underscore square horror podcast. We've been doing a countdown of our Spooktember to Spooktober picks for the week, and uh, it was gonna be. Well, normally we were what we were gonna do was just kind of publish the schedule as like a group chat. And we'd have people come over, but unfortunately, we can't do that. So, for everyone to watch along at home, we've had the schedule be, uh, majority-wise, except with the exception of movies that we are covering, they're all going to be on streaming services. Yes. So that you can watch them along with us. So, first of all, go follow our podcast on Instagram, at the, square, the underscore square podcast. We're going to have a Twitter, a Twitter soon, account which soon. Danny's going to be in charge of. Yes. I'm in charge of the Instagram. Um, so, yeah, keep up with that. We'll, every episode from now until the end of October, we will be telling, uh, the next week's picks. So, like, mm-hmm. from, so like, th- today is, like, Saturday night. Like, we're going to release this on Sunday. We're going to be saying our picks from Sunday to the next Saturday. Yes. Um, so you guys can lo- watch along with us. Um, if you are a follower of the Instagram and you know other people that are listening to us that probably don't know about it, Tell them about the Instagram page. If you are a follower or just a listener, tell other people about it. Yeah. Like, tell other people about our <laughs> podcast, please. Um, and also, uh, artists out there, if you're listening to this on Spotify, clearly you've noticed that we don't have like a cover art, which we would love to change. Yes. Um, so please submit any in, like art art that you have to us personally. Um, you can DM it to us on Instagram at the underscore square, po- square horror podcast. Um, we would love to p- pick We'd from that. I it. mean, truly, yeah. I mean, if you would love to, I mean, I, we're a little too early to be talking about merch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, let's start with like a, like a, uh, a logo. just like a, just like a logo, you know, something simple that we can kind of get out there. Um, that just is a little bit more recognizable, um, we can kind of help market our podcast a little bit better. So with that, Dan, what's next week's picks? So this week for our Spooktember schedule, we have on Sunday the 20th, we have Bats. Bats on Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> on Monday the 21st, we have Phantasm. Yes. Uh, Prime, I, I believe think. it's on Prime. I think it was on Prime. might be on Hulu. It might be both. I'm not sure. On Tuesday, the 22nd, we have the remake of It. Yes, we're going to be starting a um, little mini Stephen King King week. week, uh, Because we're going to be talking about It next week. Yes. Uh, On Wednesday, the 23rd, we have It Chapter 2, which came out also in 2019. Yes. Uh, On Thursday, the 24th, we have the original Children of the Corn. On Friday, the 25th, we have Gerald's Game on Netflix. Get it. Well, wait, so It, I don't think, is on... Any streaming service. I think It 2 is, is on HBO. Yes. 
Children of the Corn is on Hulu or Netflix. Just look at any any that you have. <laughs> we'll be posting on the yeah. Instagram and again, what it's on. Most of these movies we do also own. Yes. So we can lend them out or we can at least figure something out if you really want to see these movies but can't. And then closing out this next week, on Saturday the 26th, we have the Pet Cemetery remake from last year oh, yeah, that man. is on Amazon Prime Pet and Hulu. Cemetery. Don't want to live my life again. <laughs> um, can we take this out on the cool tagline from Trick or Treat that we both really enjoy? Oh, yes, please. All right, all right, all right. So this was on the poster. Poison, drowning, claw, or knife. So many ways to take a life. <laughs> you stay spooky out there.